0: Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the weekend for the Jets where we test the theory of never critique a win.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Recording live
1: from somewhere.
0: What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki, or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, hope you guys had a great weekend as we begin to wind down the month of February, which means war weather, trade deadline time, and I guess that's pretty much it. I don't even know what else is in March, so I kind of, I guess there's just two things (laughs) that we have to look forward to, and the stretch run for the Jets, as they've got under 25 games to go in the regular season. Uh, Like we said at the top there, a pair of wins, but I wonder what the confidence level is in the city of Winnipeg right now, so we got to get into that, and I mean, if we have time, it seems like everybody's got to chime in with their take on the Jets' attendance issues and what can be done here with Gary Bedman, ready to make his uh, fireside chat appearance. Who better than to get peggers on the right side of things than the one and only Gary Bedman? That that, that's just a recipe for success right there. Uh, so plenty to get into here, and we'll do so once again with CJOB's Tyson Rawicki. Tyson, how was the weekend? How are we doing? Weekend was good. We're doing good. March's coming up, like you said, but
1: you can't forget March Madness. End of the month. You get, you get the deadline at the beginning, then there's a little bit of a lull. St. Patrick's Day is right around there, though, so that kind of ties you over. And then March Madness all the way into Easter, and boom, you're laughing. Good night, Jim Kite. <laughs> I like that one. That was a good one. Did you come up with that, or did somebody no, else say that? I, I've heard that one before. I believe uh, the one and only Paul Bissonnette. Really? Uh, might, might have coined that.
0: That sounds. That kind of sounds like... A... Like a Paulie Edmonds, <laughs> I remember. I, I remember he did it like with Giroux at the
1: like the twenty, like when they released the cover for the for EA. Weird. But it was like, a, yeah, it was a, it was like a. You remember Sauce Hockey? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It was like a Sauce Hockey interview. Well, I, yeah, I guess he's just a big, maybe it's he's just funny. a closet big '80s Jets fan. Who knows? It's a pretty, it's
1: a pretty hilarious interview.
0: That's how Paul should end his calls. You should mention that to him. Like and, and yeah, I, I didn't listen to his uh, his call on Connor's second OT winner, but like, could you imagine if over oh, to Connor, scars, Jets win, Jets win, Jets win. Good night, Jim Kite. And then he just pulls the plug. That's it. We're done. I
1: do, I do love Paul's uh, let the chapeaus fly on a hat trick. That's a that's
0: an all timer in my opinion. Oh, Paulie's such a beauty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. I get, the next time you see him, give him a give him a big bear hug for me. Um, but but no you won't because that would be really weird um <laughs> well thank should you. yeah should mention too tyson, how, uh, by the way how was taco night tyson had taco night with his buddies it sounded like a little gourmet feast he had going there it was
1: very gas very gas
0: uh, but Tacos, that like a, oh is that like a a cool uh, like a young cool thing to say that I don't know of now sure okay <laughs> or did you have like horrendous gas well both. Okay. Were very both can be very applicable
1: to the situation, but yeah, no, it was sweet. It was like a, had a nice steak chorizo combination there, some fish in in there too, and then just uh, some homemade pico, some homemade guac, pickled onions, pickled jalapenos, and we're laughing. A couple margaritas. <laughs> like, come on, come on! <laughs> I'll
0: tell you what, Tyson, the kids are going to be all right. You, I'm I'm pretty impressed that you guys put together that spread. Me
1: too. But honestly, like it did not. The night did not start out well either. There was some there was
0: some cause for early concerns, but the boys held it down at the end. Well, Tyson, what a segue that is! <laughs> because isn't that maybe a uh, an apt description of how the Jets' two weekend games went? Wasn't it? Uh, may- maybe you know you can kind of piece together they 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 started better, and then the concern came in, and then the finish. Everything worked out okay. (laughs) But I feel like even the most level-headed, optimistic Jets fans are kind of sitting there after what should be positive vibes, three straight wins, and two straight OT victories. I feel like a lot of people are pretty angsty here in the city. Let me ask you this quick. Concern level, 1 to 10 right now. After three straight wins on where the team is at. What would you what would you put that on on a 1 to 10 scale?
1: I'm going to put it at a 3.75. Really? Yeah. Because uh, although Okay, the, yeah, please explain yourself. The 5 on 5 play has been atrocious for for a while now, for the last couple of games, I mean not outside of the Vancouver game, it's been even an extended period of time going past that. Or If you remove that game, it's it's a longer buildup. But and but the power play is going now, and and this is one of the things. Like they were winning a lot of games based off their even strength play. And yes, the even strength you're going to be even strength for most of the game regardless. So you want to be winning that game, the, 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 winning games that way. But I you see improvements in certain areas. So if they're able to kind of readjust their mindset to fix certain areas of their game, you know, like maybe it's just. I mean, obviously, you never want to see a team play like they played five-on-five the last two games, especially, I mean, just going back to the Arizona game, in the first period, there's that Mark Shifley turnover where, you know, like, there's no one. There was no one in the D zone when he got the puck. And then just a hard four-check. It wasn't even, like, a crazy four-check either. It was just a four-check. And, you know, you got two demons back there, too, and he just just misplays it, and they get a post off it from Lawson Kraus. And then the Nino... Play behind the net, the, like that scramble where like you just can't have that. That's there's a bunch of guys right around there. Like you got to move the puck there at at some point, anywhere, even to the corners, just to alleviate a little bit of pressure. So those are like those are the areas where I look at, and that's what concerns me. I think that this team has the ability though to kind of pull out of this slump, and I think that they will. Even though I did see that oh, see, saw one of the charts that showed that their expected goals for is very similar, kind of like swing wise as it was to last year where it was high, 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 high and then around the same time it kind of started to taper off a bit but I think that this team has the battle scars from last year where those sting quite a bit and I think this team's going to remember that come playoff time, add a couple more additions out the deadline and then go if if this kind of play seeps over past the deadline then I'm jumping up to an 8 to a 9 but right now I'm going to give them a little bit of leeway, I'm going to give them some slack and I'm going to say that they sort this out, but they got to sort it out really fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said, but for me, I look, I let, let's be optimistic. I'll be optimistic after three straight wings and I'll, I'll go from a seven down to a six. I think there's a lot of concerns right now. And it's really, really hard to ignore the fact that at even strength, your top line's getting caved in. Like yeah. you just, it, it's. This is the most baffling thing about this hockey team right now, right? Like, to an extent, you can understand and explain Perfetti's scoring woes, right? Like a, a young guy trying to figure things out in the second half of the season. Like, sucks, but you can understand that. Ealer's having his, you know, four or five game swoon. Hey, it happens over the course of a regular season. Guys, up, down, up, down. Right now, he was down. Chicago game, good lord, he'd show that he's back in the smig of things right now. And then a few other things as well, right? I mean, the power play, you can say, oh, give him a chance, and things end up all right. These three players, Connor, Shifley, Velarde, as a line together, have not looked intimidating whatsoever for insanely long stretches of time to have their head coach basically shut his eyes, put the blinders on, toss the earmuffs over the ears and say, I'm not listening to any of your evidence. These are the guys I'm going with. I cannot for the life of me give a rational explanation as to why they're still together. It's crazy. He, he's
1: got to just be proving a point at this. Like, honestly, I don't or, see. Or,
0: what... or, I mean, look, these are just theories. I don't have any insider information. Or maybe it's not Rick Bonus's decision. Like, may, maybe somebody in management saying we need to do this a certain I I don't know. It's just wild to see Rick Bonus, whether it's a post-game presser, you know, uh, post-practice game, whatever it is, try to spit out some ideas to why it's okay that his top line is getting outshot, outchance, outscored.
1: Like, when was the last time that Connor and Shifley st- like started a game not on the same line? I don't, I can't remember when they're, when they're both healthy, obviously. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, like, and I, I try to tame down my concern a little bit, but like, like you mentioned, like this, the the top line, especially, I think that there's answers within this club that can solve these issues. That's why I'm not as concerned at the, at the time. But man, like, you're right. Like, this is, it's getting to the point where you got to just switch something up, even if it doesn't necessarily, even if it's not, even Ehlers going up to that top line, which I would disagree with heavily, but like there's something has to change there. It's It's gone on too long and it's just, to have Bones come out of a presser and say that it's on the defense too. Meanwhile, you could look like there's stats that suggest that Morrissey and Pionk perform better when Ehlers is on the edge yeah. there. no, so, no
0: they, they don't suggest it, Tyson. They just flat out say the Jets, more scoring chances, more shots, more goals. Yeah. I, I, like I, I just it it really is baffling why this is going on night after night after night and like a lot of people online have mentioned you know you can keep them together on the power play you know the, the power i mean this power play is the best in the nhl right now it's it's crazy they're, i mean they're just it's it's wild how and, and monahan's not even in the game yesterday um, but like it's wild how one guy comes in and it's like a breath of fresh air and everybody's just performing at their absolute peak on the power play. I mean, the Velarde goal, like, come on. The Velarde goal on the power go play go against on. Arizona? It's just, it's stupid, right? So, like, no one's saying split them up in every facet of the game. Like, they're your number one power play unit. No doubt about it. But right now, it's not working five on five. And they're, look, they're overdue, but they're getting by on the power play winning them hockey games right now. Well, Which any- I'm okay with, but, like, there needs to be a little more soundness at 5 on 5 like you mentioned which is played 80 to 90% of the hockey game and you're just you're not going to win playoff series when your top line is getting crushed and and that's what's like there it, it's not even I could even understand if it's like break even right to like where it's are they dominant no but they're still you know going toe to toe and you kind of bet on the the high end skill of of Connor Shifley Velarde to, to beat most teams. I could even under like I would say I totally understand a coach thinking that way, but they're just getting hemmed in. I mean, you're you're, you're seeing defensive issues in terms of focus and effort creep up with those three. I I just don't like a lot of their game when they're out there on the ice, five on five. And I wonder what the ultimate breaking point is going to be and if there even is one right now where Rick Bonus looks at his lineup up front and says, enough's enough, we can't do this. Because if this is acceptable, what possibly could be unacceptable?
1: Yeah, it's and, and you even look at some of the goals they're scoring. If it's not on the power play, it's coming off the rush at five on five. Like They're not sustaining Ozone time and really dominating and building off those. Like, yeah, you get that those rush goals and they're a nice little boost, but they're not as momentum turning as a dominating shift. You know what I well, mean? Well, it's not as repeatable as well, right? Right. And it's just like you can really build a, you can, that. That's where teams start to snowball. When you get one good possessive shift, then you get another, then you get another. It's not, oh, well, let's hope that we can break up a play around the blue line and maybe go the other way and pot one. Like that's not sustainable come playoff time. And I think even the Hurricanes have kind of, that's kind of been their MO for a couple of years now is that they rely off off the rush. They rely off, they do have solid zone time as well. Like, don't get me wrong, but their shots aren't, it's not like high possession, high danger scoring opportunities. It's either get the puck in their end and kind of throw the puck towards the net or we're going to score off the rush. And that's just, we've seen it the last couple of years. they their well dries up in the playoffs. You don't want to have this, repeatedness happened last year too in the playoffs for the Jets where they just weren't if they weren't getting a rush goal they weren't really generating much offense and that's just not sustainable throughout a long playoff run
0: yeah it's 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 weird it's bizarre I I and I don't know if anybody really has a good explanation as to why it's going on this long other than they've won three in a row but you would think a change has to happen at some point here if if this continues maybe Bones is just or whoever, you know, the brain trust in Winnipeg maybe is just saying, you know what, give him time. It's going to, the results are going to kind of slowly turn around here and we can rely on those three and then Ehlers to carry his own line. Maybe that's the thought process that's going on here, but I don't know how much rope you can give him anymore because it's, it's a long stretch of time that the, the results have been subpar compared to other top lines across the NHL. Not gonna cost them a playoff spot or anything like that. But I mean the division's there for the taking, right? Like Colorado's in a pretty decent slump right now. The stars haven't, you know, had a chance to maybe push ahead of, of both those teams, and they've been up and down, up and down. And depending on what happens um in the game against the Islanders, Jets could next time they hit the ice, have a chance to grab the top of the uh the, the top of the division and still hold three games at hand. So it, like it's not important in the grand scheme of things but kind of is if you want to avoid Dallas Colorado in round 1. So it's it's an it's a weird time as a Jets fan right now. Like there's angst with stuff going on off the ice and then on the ice they're picking up wins finally but and you I th- I think the reason for this Tyson you you touched on this when we were talking earlier today like in their last 10 or so games how many really good games have they played? Right. The Vancouver? Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. San Jose was kind of a weird one where they won one nothing, but it wasn't, you know, San Jose, and they weren't overwhelmingly positive. And that, like, that was there.
1: Like, you could say that they were fresh coming off a long break. But when your team is bad as the Sharks, and you get a long break, it's like trying to figure out how to play hockey again for those guys. Like, they looked awful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there really is. A, what do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, you're going back to mid-January, really, to look at the last time the Jets had like a solid, sustained stretch of good play. That to me is what's concerning now. Is it's not just you know look good for two games, crap game, look good for two games crap game like that I can almost understand. It's there's like it's a trend right now and it's not going in the right direction. at least the results are going in the right direction, but you definitely want a little more soundness to the process and um, might not need to have that in place when you face the blues on Tuesday. But um, wouldn't be too bad in terms of the confidence for everybody if you uh, get your game righted out by the time Thursday comes along in Dallas with the division lead on the line there. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's pick it up a little bit, right? Let's let's put the panic button back in the drawer and worry about that at a later time. Uh, just yeah, it was. I I thought it was just a bizarre weekend for the Jets. I mean, the Connor goals were pretty wicked in OT. That three on one against Arizona was like—I mean, that's how good that must have felt so good for Connor just to unleash the three on one clap bomb. As soon um, as they crossed the red line, you knew that was that puck was going in. I, I'm I'm surprised Ingram wasn't already skating to the to the dressing room. Like, <laughs> I don't. we don't need you
1: did not do not in the net lawn though. That, that puck
0: yeah. was as soon as it got by him, mean, he was uh, striding
1: back to the locker room.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny too how like a goal like that can kind of make you forget about. The previous 60 where you're like, oh, yeah, we are (laughs) so good. But we have to take a look at the whole picture here. And even that game against Chicago, right? Like, oh. Chicago hasn't played good for all, essentially the whole season. And to give it the lead late like that, that's what kind of concerns me. I think that's what could, like, you have the top line getting overrun. But then the blown leads. Like, it's, ooh, shades of last season are just way, way too fresh there. And potentially dropping points late, right? Getting teams a chance to get back in it. Let's just yeah, you know, let's turn this around a little bit. Let's let's do this quickly. I don't want to, I just don't want to deal with that again. That last season slide, it was just such a bummer. It would be even worse this time around, honestly. It would be like if, if the team did something similar, I'd be really worried about the future. Because at least you could say, like, hey, we got the bad apples out of the room, we learned from it. You do it again major change I, I don't know i yeah, I don't know what you do whatever let's not get that math. get it out get it out get it out. positive vibes positive vibes here um anything else stand out to you i mean i guess the one nice thing is having connor hellebuck you know helps to erase some of the issues in front of him there the power play is white hot i mean the, the one thing too it's 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 odd like it, it, we talked about this as well where you know when people try to describe the jet's decor and using like essentially a word to describe all six players there and it you know good solid really good do we need to improve it do we not need to improve it it doesn't it feel like this Jets defense goes the way that Neil Pion goes which is a really weird thing to say for your potentially like third best defenseman you know what I mean though but like Morrissey and DeMello have been so solid all year Morrissey's Play is, you know, up there with a, you know, t- easy top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Your third pair has been maybe the best in the NHL this season by a lot of metrics. If we could just get Pionk and Dylan, but mainly Neil Pionk at a solid baseline and not too many dips and peaks, yeah, I don't think you would worry too much about the Jets' defense come playoff time.
1: Well, and then, like, if they're going, then you don't have to worry about the third pairing because they can just. Thrive in their "quote unquote" sheltered-ish minutes, but when like it's not going good, then all that's like the it's the snowball effect. Like you have a, a deep pair where they just can't get either they can't get out of their own zone, they can't make a breakout pass. Like that's just such a trickle down effect, and it just kills so much momentum, especially when that deep pair is playing twenty minutes a night. So when like they're able to get going, it's just an extra 18 to 20 minutes on ice where it's just things flow a little easier instead of the opposite way, where it's kind of like chaotic energy, right? Like that's just, there needs to be less of a, of a swing and more of a baseline to their game. I think they can just kind of even out. I think that's, that's all they
0: need going into the playoffs. What do we think of Cole Perfetti on the fourth line, by the way, both the decision to put him there than how he looked in the, in the two games. I mean, I get the decision. Let, let me let me say this actually for I, I I go first. I go first. <laughs> um I agree with the decision. There's a lot of people that probably don't like it. And anytime it's like a young, promising player that has the potential to be a you know, not not a face of the franchise, but a, a, a prolific figure. For the next handful of years, people are going to get up in arms anytime there's a demotion or or a scratch or anything like that. Uh, but, I mean, it's quite obvious the production is completely dried up. I mean, there just wasn't a lot of effectiveness to his game. And I, I actually kind of want to lead a little bit towards the the old school view on this of, you know, throwing a little sandpaper up along with Ehlers and Monaghan when he's healthy. Isn't the worst thing in the world right now. Because I mean, Perfetti's strength isn't going to be along the boards, and he's going to lose his fair share of physical battles. If it's getting a little tighter and a little tougher out there, you know, maybe throwing eye a follow up for a game or two isn't the worst thing in the world. Or maybe Nino moves up along those two guys as well. If I'm being totally honest, Tyson, I think Cole Perfetti is pretty lucky to still be in the lineup right now. And maybe I'm coming at this from a different view because I've seen John Tortorella and the Flyers employ healthy scratches, not as a punishment per se, but as almost like a a refresher. And as Torts would put it, it's not the end of the world for a 21, 22-year-old to sit out a handful of games, watch from the press box and learn a thing, right? Like it might actually help their development more than just tossing them out there, tossing them to the wolves night in, night out would. I, I think if Rick Bonus would have came out before the Chicago game and said, you know, we're, we're giving Perfetti a bit of a breather, I wouldn't have been opposed to that either. Um, and I, I, thought he, I thought he was just okay on the fourth line. You know, yeah. I, I don't think it's – a lot of people will say, well, he has to play a fourth line style game. I don't really buy that. Like, just play your game and what makes you effective. But, uh, yeah, it, it just seems to me like he's hit a, a bit of a wall right now. And I – yeah, I, I mean, for me, it might just be – maybe giving him a handful of days off might be the best thing in the world for him and he can jump back in and and see where his game's at after that point. But it's, it is it is pretty hard to argue against the demotion in the lineup after, what is it, 13, 14 games, goalless route and only a point or two in that span as well.
1: Yeah, and then, like, you mentioned Torts there, and he's done this with multiple players who have really kind of hit their stride now. And I think you you go to Perfetti and you say to him like, he, Take these couple games off and kind of see what what the, this team might be missing or what other teams are doing well that that our team might not be doing well and try to implement those parts of of the game into your game. And I think now Bones might even have to have a conversation with him, and not in a bad way. Like this might sound a bit harsh, but it's kind of what a player needs to hear sometimes. And it's sort and it's a conversation of what do you want to be in the league? Like, do you just want to be a playmaker who's does does his work on the power play and chips in every now and then? Or do you want to be a guy who's, who's impactful throughout the game in a bunch of different aspects? And I think that a break could do Perfetti very well. And like we've mentioned before and in the past, that he's still developing. Like, not just hockey sense-wise, but physically too. Like, this is the furthest he's gotten into a season yet in his NHL career. And obviously, you could talk about conditioning concerns and whatnot, but it's a lot... It's a lot. It's a heavy toll on the body, especially for a guy who's smaller and doesn't take contact great as per, like, as Perfetti does, and that's okay that he doesn't. There's some players do some some players do it better than others, but I, I don't think that a, sitting him for a couple of games is going to do much. What's the difference between sitting and playing on the fourth line at this rate, right? Like he's not maybe he gets a little bit more power play time and can generate some chemistry, but give him a couple of games and then get a hungry Perfetti into the lineup maybe after the the deadline. You have some additions there. Maybe you can find some new chemistry with some new line mates and let them get a hungry Perfetti for the stretch run there. It might be the best thing for him. And it might be almost like a mini deadline addition in and of itself where you unlock a different version of Perfetti.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, you know, in, the, in a way, it's almost like it's in a weird way. It's like a relief too to almost like, look, you don't have to have the pressure of going out there trying to score. Like, let's just take a game or two off. We're getting you back in. Don't worry. And then we're going to get the best out of you. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued. I don't think we're going to see Cole Perfetti on the second line anytime soon. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I think sometimes just taking a step back, watching the game from a different vantage point and perspective, could be a, it could be a physical refresh and a mental refresh as well for him. But if there's no addition made at the deadline, like, he needs to be a major impact piece for the Winnipeg Jets this year. So it's going to be imperative for, for Chevy and the coaching staff and everybody involved here to make sure that physically, mentally he's ready to go for you in case you need him to be. And chances are, even if you make an addition, you're going to need him due to injury or poor performance to step up and and elevate his game. And uh, how they go about doing that will be pretty interesting. in The last 26 games for the club. Um, Let's shift gears here, Tyson, from the previous two games to the main topic in the city over the last week. Mark Chipman with an article in The Athletic speaking with Chris Johnston. I mean, we all know what it is right now. I don't have to explain it, but everybody's got a take right now on what the Jets' attendance issues, Um, what they are, how they can be solved, what the best way to do it is. Everybody's got their own opinion. The interesting thing for me, Tyson, is that I think everybody's right in their own way. Like it's it's not one solvable issue, right? You know, like w- with Ottawa, for example, the, it's, the arena's in a crappy spot, right? Like they everybody there is like get it to a, a place that's a little more accessible. We're going to be just fine, right? Arizona, Arizona is not the best example, Uh, right? But like there's different, different places where it's like, why is the attendance so low? Well, we have issue A, we solve that, we're okay. It's like there's a thousand micro issues that are all kind of popping ahead all at the same time that the Jets need to figure out how to solve to essentially make sure that they exist as an entity in the NHL moving forward there's a lot of people that have had really insightful comments that I've enjoyed. Um, You know, I, for those that maybe haven't checked it out, Nick lineman, Nick lineman um, runs the, uh, the top line podcast. They do a great job. He had a really good Twitter thread about, you know, solving the issue through a Winnipeg lens, as opposed to tackling things, how maybe a different market would, because we are so unique here. Uh, So I, I enjoyed that perspective. I mean, for me, there's just a a few things in the positive side of things. It sounds like the Jets are well aware of their issues and they're actually going about the right ways to fix it. Like, there's no head in the sand sort of a thing, right? Like, Mark Chippen was pretty blunt saying, you know, like, we just, to paraphrase, we have to just be much better as an organization at every aspect. Marketing, sales, customer relations took the client base for granted, and now we have to find a way to win a lot of those people back. So, I mean, that that to me is probably the biggest positive, is that the Jets are, you know, they're they're not just kind of putting their head down and saying, oh, we, don't worry, we know what to do, we know what to do. They're, it seems to me like they're actively and earnestly trying to make a difference. But I think the biggest thing that needs to be solved here, and, and hopefully Chibin and company can find a way to do this, but they've just got to beef up the corporate sales. Like that, that to me, just doing that alone, I think, is just gonna go a long way in making this a sustainable product. Would it pay Jets hockey in the National Hockey League? Like, I, I think that's that's gonna be issue. The the biggest issue, the number one thing on the to-do list, is to bump up the number of corporate seats. Because relying on the paying customer to essentially fuel anywhere from 80 ish percent of your season ticket support it's it's tough to do during the best of times and we are not in case you didn't notice Tyson in the best of times right now so just doing that would kind of I think make things a little bit easier to stomach and then you start the ball rolling in the right direction and we can kind of go from there um I'm sure you've heard an interesting take or two on CJOB on the fan line and maybe the uh, the text line, but anything pop out to you over the last uh, several days of
1: discourse? Well, I think you you made two really good points, uh, and those are two main main points. Yeah, I know <laughs> 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 <I'm kidding. laughs> that they they did take the fans for granted, but the, and like you mentioned, they realized that a hundred percent, and I think COVID was the big reminder there was that for too long that they they could kind of fall back on the idea that they had 15 and a half thousand people just ready to go at any like an art it was a legitimate army of Jets fans just whoever you need who next it's next man up like that was the mentality for a while and with the pandemic and like you mentioned inflation it's just a lot harder for the average person to kind of make up that ground now where it's a night out for the Jets games running you up a pretty penny regardless of where you're sitting even if you want if you're going to take it light and just have a drink and a hot dog at the game like you're still shelling out a pretty pretty penny and they I have faith that this ownership group realizes some of their mistakes and especially even just emphasizing some of the way that they I don't think that I think they realize that they treated some of the season ticket holders not great over these last couple years and I think that it's you know, we like to jump at sometimes. You like to jump at billionaires and ownership groups because you know sometimes it's the easy thing to do, and it's sometimes it's the right thing to do too. Like it's okay to have some pushback against your favorite team, right? Like if there's no pushback, you know, you could just say that oh, the things get sh-
0: better, yeah, yeah.
1: Like you should ju- expect the ownership group to understand that, but it's a business at the bottom line, so there needs to be a discussion, especially in a community like Winnipeg where we are so community driven that you need to have that discourse back and forth. And I think they're taking the right steps with Bettman coming in here, as much as some people might not,
0: <laughs> it's not going to be cheering Gary Bettman down the streets oh, of Winnipeg on Tuesday, but it's too bad. Those questions are getting vetted. And that would be yeah. like, I like how they call it the fireside chat. I would like it to be a firing squad. It, it'd be I'm like the Winnipeggers like, going up and it, it would basically be like 50 different iterations of, well, Mullen, the Mullen Arena holds 4K and they can't sell that out. Gary, what about that? Gary, Gary, like just over and over again, trying to see be, a weasel's way out
1: of it. It would be reminiscent of the McGregor-Aldo press conference in Ireland where it was just like complete take, like your enemy number one. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to just flood you with stuff. But I think there's, and I agree with you too, that obviously corporate seats need to go up. That's just a no-brainer, no matter which way you go about it. And I think one of the ways that they can do that, and one of the reasons why I still have faith in this team, is that I think that with all that's going on, it's going to give them some pressure to make a big move, another big splash move to get that that interest and that drive going for playoff time. And I think that's what you have to do, because you can preach all you want about being a draft and develop team, and that's great. It's a great way to build a team. At some point, you have to try and take the next step, though. And what brings in numbers and what brings in revenue and what brings in what ups the value of everything? A deep playoff run with a competitive team, and this team just hasn't shown that in a while. So I think doing that this year, having that competitive edge, and really kind of going all in this year, adding some pieces, mortgage not mortgaging the future a little bit because you have some solid forward pieces coming out too throughout the deadline. I'm not saying sell the farm, but maybe you move one of those higher end prospects to to add some talent now and. You can prolong this playoff run to two or three years, depending on the moves you make and the players you add. They don't have to be rentals. But I think that making not necessarily a splash, but some legitimate moves to really bolster this team could go a long way in everything when it comes to the product on the ice and how it affects the team off the ice too.
0: Oh, well, that does lead into a pretty uh, intriguing next, what is it? 12 days 13 days something along those lines uh because that trade deadline is only i mean it's next friday so we're almost here and uh yeah i I don't disagree with that line of thinking that a specific edition might inject a, a serious jolt of energy into this fan base um it would have to be pretty significant to uh to entice the the paying fan to, to shell out a little bit, but if it hey, if it is and that's the road they want to go, I'm all down for that. I'm borderline sellafar. Like let's let's get a little nutty here. Let's get this baby going. Imagine imagine if
1: Chevy pulls up the Stevie Y from a couple of years ago, when right at the last second, everyone thinks the deadline's over. All of a sudden, boom, boom, blockbuster, lightning trade for JT Miller and Ryan McDonough. <laughs> like, imagine the Jets make a trade like that right at the end of the deadline. And I don't, I mean, I don't know who those players would be. I don't know if they're even available. Those type, I mean, obviously, those exact type of players probably aren't available. But like a
0: package like that, I mean, I don't know. Like, that yeah, that would be your, pack. that would be your like Coleman Hannafin 2.0. Yeah. Anderson, Anderson. get Anderson. Yeah, Anderson, yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you're speaking it into existence, Tyson. Either way, it's going to be a crazy next couple of days. Uh, I mean, that yeah, we'll we'll see how things go on that front over the next. It'll be it'll be an interesting subplot to follow, I guess. This this off season, this summer, how the uh, the season ticket drive goes for this team, just because it seems like ownership is being self-aware of what, of what needs to be done to improve, but also the fan base, I think is kind of coming to the realization that we also have to, you know, not, not do our part. Cause I'll never, I'll, I'll never lay any blame for, for the fans on pain or not pain, but essentially like the realization of, you know, it, it's a legitimate possibility that, you know, relocation, whatever it might be, could be on the table, and there's not going to be a third chance here in the city, so uh, quickly, Tyson, before we wrap this up. I just want, like,
1: there some of the attendance issues, too, like, let's not forget that they did completely collapse last year. Like, I think fans (laughs) had more than a little bit of hesitancy, or a right to hesitancy to start the season this year. Like, fair play, like, you gotta and but since they have started improving their play and showing that they can play at a high level, the numbers have gone up. Like
0: they're pretty, they're getting well, closer. Yeah, to and that's a, that's exactly what I was gonna say too. Is what three, four sellouts in the new year, right? Like, I, I yeah, I, I I get the sense it's not gonna be as much of an issue going into next year, which is great because it's the earmuffs kid. This is the shittiest topic in like Winnipeg sports. is to talk about potentially losing the team for a second, like I, it just sucks. I don't want to talk about it. It's not fun. Um, but I, I I think for the first time in a long time, I'm feeling optimistic that it's going to turn a corner and everything's going to play out just fine. But you're right, Tyson, a nice deep playoff run would go a long way to um, easing any of the concerns or doubts that the Jets fans have about their team. So let's hope, yeah, a couple more additions and then we can get groovy with uh, a playoff round or two victory and then we'll see where things go after that. Uh, but a big part of that is going to be what happens this week. A pair of Central Division games for the Jets, Blues, and then that absolute monster tilt Thursday night against the Dallas Stars. We will break down both of those when we return at the end of this week. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. Like we mentioned, we're back at it Friday morning, breaking down Jets Blues, but more importantly jet stars on thursday night for the central division lead until then enjoy the rest of your work week stay safe and have a great time everybody we'll talk to you guys on friday peace